1: Hey everybody, I want to talk to you about Squarespace Courses. It has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with a powerful Fluid Engine editor. You can create engaging content your audience is going to love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace Courses. So just go to squarespace.com/stuff for a free trial and when you're ready to launch use our offer code stuff to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Hey
0: everybody, it's me Josh and for this week's SYSK selects, I've chosen our classic episode on the classic feud between the classic families, the Hatfield's and the McCoy's. It's one of the more interesting stories of American history and it's way more nuts than you even thought. And I don't know about you, though, Uh, I just want to put a little bug in your ear. Every time I hear the name Jim Vance in this episode, I always want to follow it in my mind with Vance Refrigeration. See if that happens to you, now that I've said that. Uh, Hope you enjoy this one. It's a classic, as I said. So, enjoy away. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know,
1: a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works.
0: Hey and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. Charles W. Chuck Bryan is staring at me right now. It's making me a tad uncomfortable. <laughs> Jerry's over there. I can feel her eyes burning into the side of my head. So this is stuff you should know. Where would you like me to look? <laughs> <clears throat> uh, uh, in my ear.
1: Oh, that's always so weird. When try, it, try it. Someone's like looking. Are you doing it right now? Like right at your hair or some other body
0: <laughs> Really? Yeah. Interesting. Try my other ear. Oh, yeah, that's that's the stuff. <laughs> the right. Oh, I'm sorry. That's your left ear. That's my left ear. Yeah. All right. I'll remember that. Look, watch this, Chuck. After seven years. Can you see that I can wiggle ears independently? Yeah. Drives you me crazy. So you sit around and do it, probably. <laughs> I try not <laughs> like to. Like a good husband. Um, Chuck. Yes. We have a bit of an announcement here. Yeah. You talking about what we just heard? Yes. Yeah. We are in the room. With either a Hatfield or a McCoy, Jerry doesn't know which family she's related to. She just knows that she's related to one of them.
1: Yeah, like literally right before we press record, she's like, oh, by the way, I'm related to one of these families. I'm just not sure which. Right. And a family member told her, but she...
0: Cousin uh, Tyler? Was that who it was? I don't know. I think that's what she said. A cousin.
1: I get the impression from Jerry's story, though, that she's sort of like glazed over,
0: and that's why she doesn't know. Right. But she does carry a six-shooter on her hip, (laughs) and that explains that. It says McCoy on the barrel. (laughs) So maybe. Right. But does that mean that it's a bullet from the McCoys or for the McCoys? Good point. The mystery remains, you know? Good point. So we are talking about the Hatfields and the McCoys. For those of you who don't live in the United States, you probably have heard of the Hatfields and the McCoys. It's a pretty legendary feud. Yeah. Right? We've heard of some of your history, UK. Sure, Australia, Matthew Flinders. There's a name drop for you. Yeah. So hopefully you've heard of the Hatfields and the McCoys. Yeah, I mean that was uh, if nothing else, there was a big mini series a few years ago on television. Yeah, with Kevin Costner and Bill yeah. Paxton, and apparently it was a uh, really dramatized. Yeah, like as in fictionalized. Yeah, and sure, cinematized and yeah, a little, not quite fully accurate, but. That's at least TV. at least they brought attention to the feud cuz it needs it. agreed so uh the hatfields and the mccoys um is a family feud so much so that in 1979 <laughs> the hatfields <laughs> and the mccoys were on the tv show family feud apparently for a full week from yeah, what i saw and and i read that
1: Legend has it that it didn't actually inspired the TV show, but I, I didn't get good verification on that.
0: No, and there there have been other family feuds, right? Sure. Oh, yeah. But none are as famous as the Hatfields and the McCoys. Although, at the time, there were more famous family feuds, but the Hatfields and the McCoys just lived on. took it to another level.
1: Yeah, because all of the murder.
0: Yeah, there, <laughs> there was a lot of murder. It was mountain folk versus mountain folk. Uh-huh. Families that had been intermarried and uh, worked for one another and um, had lived together for decades, if not longer, alongside in this little area uh, along the uh, Sandy River, I believe, the Big Sandy River, in uh, something that's called the Tug River Valley. And on one side, mostly, the Hatfields lived on the West Virginia side in Logan County, and right across the river, on the other side, in Kentucky, the McCoys lived in Pike County. And that's how it was for days gone by.
1: Yeah, and they, uh, they were not new to the United States, so I guess it wasn't the United States then, was it? Yeah. Okay,
0: sure Yeah, we're was. talking about the 1850s, 60s, oh, 70s.
1: I was way off then. But uh, they came to America many, many years before that. Um, apparently, the Hatfields were some of the very first to come to uh, the New World uh, from Northern England,
0: and the McCoys are obviously from Germany.
1: Well, the Hatfields were originally the Heathfields in England.
0: That sounds way more British.
1: Yeah, but you know how you do. Uh-huh. You, you come over to America and you you dumb it down a little.
0: I know Heath Ledger changed his name to Hat Ledger <laughs> when he got here, didn't he? R.I.P. Uh, And the McCoys come from Scotland, of course. You could probably figure that
1: out. Uh, Moved to Ireland before they came to the New World. Uh, And the first known McCoy was John McCoy in America. When was that? Uh, 1732 from Belfast, Ireland. So did they move directly to the Tug River area? Is that where they settled? No. uh, The McCoys first settled in Maryland uh, where he was a prominent landowner. And I think the Hatfields first moved to Tug Valley in 1820. And the McCoys, uh, in eighteen oh two. Okay. With, with their twelve kids.
0: So they've been like really these families had grown up living and in, in working with each other. It was yeah. Not just these two families in the area. There are plenty of other families, but like they were neighbors. Coworkers uh, boss and employee they were they were um, husbands and wives, they intermarried you know i mean like Sometimes. they were they were living together for decades
1: yeah was, uh I, I think the two um that originally settled at Tug Fork were the actual parents of the two main okay. protagonists right or antagonists, I guess they were both
0: yeah, they were both pro and. And Anne. <laughs> right. So they the uh the story, our story really kind of begins round about the, the Civil War. Um this area of the Tug River Valley was mostly Confederate. And both the Hatfields and the McCoys were Confederate sympathizers, if not outright Confederate soldiers. Um the antagonist or protagonist, the patriarch of the Hatfield family, when the story begins, his name was uh Devil Ants Hatfield, right? Yeah, that was his nickname. His real name was um, William Anderson Hatfield. Yeah, but
1: Devil Ants, what a cool name.
0: Yeah, and I saw a couple of different explanations for where his nickname came from, but my favorite one was that his mother said he was so mean the devil himself was scared of him.
1: Yeah, I saw one that said he was uh, six feet of devil and 180 pounds of hell. They had stupid sayings back then. Yeah, that one, it didn't quite add up.
0: Especially in the backwoods of Kentucky and West Virginia, you know? They just yeah. said stuff. They just made up names, <laughs> as, as we'll see throughout this whole uh, episode. But um, Devil Ants himself was a—he uh, was, from what I saw, he was described as somebody who took life by the horns, right? Sure. He was very much a self-made man. Um, he— Got he became a pretty wealthy timber merchant over the years, but he was, um, he was a violent man, uh, and he was a, uh, well, he had some violent tendencies for sure,
1: yeah. And, um, you know, if you want to trace back Mm -hmm. the reason for the Hatfield McCoy feud, there isn't, I think, from everything I read, there isn't Mm -hmm. like one single thing, it's often blamed on the pig deal, which we'll hear about coming up.
0: That seems to be the one that historians point to the most these days, though.
1: Yeah, but it's sort of a convenient way of telling the story because, like, what what better way to kick off a feud than, like, with a stolen pig?
0: Right. It definitely—there were other problems or issues between these families before then, right? Yeah, but the point is there were a lot
1: of different things going on, and one of them was, like you said, was um, Devil Ants made a lot more money than McCoy right. uh, as as a timber guy.
0: So on the other side of the river, in the Kentucky side, Pike County, Kentucky, there were the McCoys. And at the time that Devil Ants was the patriarch of the Hatfield clan, a man named uh, Randall McCoy, old Randall, uh, was the head of the McCoy clan across the river in Kentucky, right? Yeah, and I, I just get the sense that
1: he had his sort of smaller business and was always a little bit envious of the larger timber business across oh, the way. Oh,
0: very much so. Yeah. He was, um, a, a, the way that I saw him described was, um, if Devil Ants is a man who took life by the horns, old Ranall was somebody who got hooked by life's horns. And uh, he was very bitter about his lot in life. Gotcha. His father, um, I saw, was described as didn't much care for work. Um, Not didn't leave his guy. didn't leave his kids <laughs> anything. Yeah. So his son had to be a self-made man, but he was a self-made man who never really made himself. He married a, a a woman named Sarah, and Sarah's father died and left them some land, and he was able to homestead on that. So that's how he was able to establish himself was uh, through um his wife's inheritance of her father's land. Um, but it was enough to set him up. They were fine. They weren't prosperous, but they weren't like just completely poverty stricken like Randall had grown up. Right. But just across the river and in, in this other family that he had to deal with and work with, um, and, and just kinda see and interact with was a, a man who he, you know, had made himself and and definitely Randall was bitter about that idea and the the comparison between himself and Devil Ants.
1: Yeah, and I think um some of the McCoys even worked for some of the Hatfields. Yeah. Which is always gonna be a little tense when you feel like Maybe that feeling of superiority comes over one family because you're working for me. Right. You know?
0: Yeah. So there's definitely, like you are saying, tension, right? And, and you can point to maybe these guys coming into their own as the heads of the family when the tension really started. Yeah. For many years, historians pointed to a specific incident as the source of the family feud. Um, but that's since been abandoned. So like we said, the Civil War is about the time when this story really starts in earnest. And most of the Tug River Valley was Confederate. Devil Ants and possibly Randall McCoy were part of uh, what were called the Logan Wildcats, which was a militia. But during the Civil War, they were an actual like army unit of the Confederate Army.
1: Yeah, and I saw where Devil Ants was even the leader in one uh, place, but I didn't get that verified a bunch either so so he at very least was in the brigade
0: right and i got the impression that if he wasn't a leader he was a de facto leader because that was just his type of personality devil ants don't answer to nobody right you answer to him that's right that was a great devil ants by the way (laughs) so uh, i think the leader of the logan wildcats is another character who will come up later and his name is um jim vance yeah so jim vance um he was not a very great guy from what I can understand, but I'll let him paint his own picture, okay. Oh, is he coming in? He will in a little bit. Instead we're gonna focus on a guy named Asa Harmon McCoy. And this guy I don't have a bead on. He decided in in just complete contrast of the place where he grew up, um he was going to join the Yankee Union Army. Yeah. A and he weird. did. Yeah. But he broke his leg and, and uh left. The service after I think a year, yeah. Went but back uh,
1: while he was in service, his um, commanding officer in the Union Army ordered him to fight devil ants because there was uh, rumors that he was a Confederate spy. Oh yeah. So Harmon fights uh, devil ants, loses the fight, and I didn't get a sense on what kind of fight it was, whether yeah, that's, it was like weird a gun battle or whether he literally just like spit on his boot and like took a swing. <laughs>
0: right.
1: I'm not sure. I don't know how the, if the, if that was even in the miniseries. Um, so they get in a fight. He loses, and then uh, the 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 Union troops went after Devil Ants at that point, uh, which is really what caused a lot of the early issues. Uh-huh. Uh, and then later on, Harmon shot a friend of Devil Ants while stealing his horse. So in turn, he killed Harmon's commanding officer in the Union Army. Okay, so there's a lot of bad blood. The guy was like literally General Bill France was. Peeing off his porch like I do, mm-hmm. and Devil Ants <laughs> shot him in cold blood.
0: I, ho- I hope that does not happen to you. I really hope so too. That'd be a bad way to go. <laughs> it gives you pause, you know. Yeah. So um, the after the war, after um, Asa Harmon McCoy uh, came back home, it, I did not realize that tensions were already that high. I had the impression that it was just because he fought for the Union. I didn't know he had been made to directly target Devil Ants. Yeah. Right. Well, Devil Ants and the Logan Wildcats, basically sent uh, Aza a message saying, watch yourself because we're coming for you. And he very wisely went off and lived in a cave for a while. He hid out. And so with this guy, you're like, why did he go fight for the Union? Was he an abolitionist? No, he had a slave. And the slave uh, kept him alive by bringing him food and stuff while he was in the cave. So I have no idea why he went and fought for the Union. It's weird. The fact that he did, though— meant that his own relatives, his own McCoys, including Randall, his brother, um, really were were just kind of like, yeah, the Logan Wildcats are out to get you, and you brought this on yourself, so we don't really feel for you. And they didn't apparently make much of a a problem or much. uh, they didn't take issue with it when the Logan Wildcats tracked him down to the cave and killed him.
1: Well, he was actually coming home when they killed him. Oh, was he? I think he finally thought, like, surely after all this time, They've forgotten about this troglodyte, Dite. troglodyte. Yeah. So he was walking home to see his family that he hadn't seen in years, and Jim Vance shot him. That's how long he was in the cave. Uh, well, that might have been part of the war uh, oh, time okay. as well. I'm not gotcha. sure, but it said after a few years.
0: Man, alive. So. I don't know. Well, actually, man dead. Aza Harmon uh, <laughs> McCoy is killed by the Logan Wildcats. And apparently, at first, everybody thought it was Devil Ant who did it, but he turned out to have been bedridden at the time, so he had an alibi. And they think instead that it was Jim Vance who led it and probably killed Aza. Yeah, who Thing was is, Devil's uncle. Okay. Um, and strong ally, Sure, Jim Vance was. So uh, Aza Harmon's dead. The first shot has been fired in the family feud, so thought the historians for years. And then I guess after interviewing actual Hatfields and McCoys, they realized that, no, actually the McCoys were like, he brought it on himself. Yeah. That's, that, we made peace with this. And no charges were even brought in the murder of Aza McCoy.
1: Yeah, I saw one article that described it as a, a murder agreement, which apparently used to have that, like blood in, blood out, and everyone's like, all right, even Stephen.
0: Okay, So, done. Yeah. The the first death has occurred in the Hatfield-McCoy feud, but it has nothing to do with the Hatfield-McCoy feud. Technically, yes. That seems like a pretty good time to take a break, don't you? Agreed, sir. Listen to this. It's a game changer. Amazon is now in healthcare. Yes, Amazon. It's called Amazon One Medical. They offer same-day appointments, and if that's not convenient enough for you, they also have 24-7 virtual care.
1: Yeah, you know, imagine you're feeling so sick that even the thought of getting out of bed is just too much for you. With Amazon One Medical, you don't have to leave the house. Of course, what good is that if you then have to drag yourself to the pharmacy, but you don't have to do that either because of Amazon Pharmacy.
0: It makes a lot of sense. Delivering things fast is what Amazon is known for, and that's exactly what they do here. They'll deliver your prescriptions directly to your door. No waiting in pharmacy lines with people who probably all have something worse than whatever you're there for.
1: Again, this is a game changer. Thanks to Amazon Pharmacy and Amazon One Medical, healthcare just got less painful.
0: Hey, everybody. Josh and Chuck are here to tell you about a new podcast. Car and Drivers Into Cars, a production of Car and Driver and iHeartMedia's Ruby Studio.
1: That's right. It's hosted by Eddie Alterman and Tony Quiroga. Into Cars is the ultimate podcast for car lovers. Whether you're in the market for a new set of wheels or just love the sound of a V8, Car and Drivers panel of editors and car experts test drive and review today's most compelling new rides.
0: And the best part. Eddie and Tony have no filter. They review cars with the same blend of intelligence, independence, and irreverence that has made Car and Driver a trusted source for news and reviews since 1955.
1: Car and Drivers Into Cars is brought to you by eBay Motors. All the parts you need at the prices you want, guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Visit ebaymotors.com for more. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.
0: So jump in, buckle up, and listen to Car and Drivers Into Cars, available wherever you get podcasts. So, Chuck, we're back, and uh, Aza Harmon's dead. Things are whatever between the Hatfields and the McCoys. Nothing, nothing big has gone on, even if there were any sort of skirmishes or little fights or run-ins or that kind of thing. I get the impression that the family's... When they saw each other, there was like a, a slight percentage that the sides were going to get in at least a fistfight, yeah, If not take like pot shots at yeah, one another with their guns.
1: I just think they probably just didn't like each other very much from the beginning.
0: Right. So it's possible those things went on. Nothing big happened though until right. the pig. The pig incident. And apparently it wasn't just one pig. It's what it's been boiled down to. But it was several.
1: Yeah, and it was a big deal. If you think about a pig, uh, stealing a pig is not a big deal at the time. uh, There's a book called The Feud by Dean King. Dean King? Dean King. Dean (laughs) King. said it so weird. Dean King. And he said, uh, where was their next meal going to come from, and how could they feed the children in the winter? They were lucky enough to have one pig or Razorback for sell or trade. The proceeds were used to acquire flour, sugar, coffee, Sometimes shoes or boots for their families it was a mainstay for the family. So uh, these days you hear a pig or even a couple of pigs and you think, what's the big deal? But in the region at the time, these these pigs were very valuable. So it was a big deal.
0: Right. I saw a, um, a and in an front. I saw a dude on. Well, yeah. And that was another thing. Again, we're talking about backwoods Appalachian folk in the 19th century. There was a lot. To the idea that you had stolen their property. Yeah, which as it should be. But even that aside, I saw this historian on um, a CBS Sunday morning clip from a few years ago, and he explained like, you can feed a, f- a sizable family mm-hmm. for a month with a single pig. Yeah. And this guy stole several pigs. So the guy who, who was accused of stealing the pig was, um, f- uh, who was it, Chuck? Who, uh, Randolph McCoy accused Floyd Hatfield. Okay, right. So, um, R- old Randall himself said, Floyd Hatfield, cousin of de- Devil Ants, I know that you stole those pigs, and I'm taking you to court. Well, they went to court. The problem is, the local magistrate was a Hatfield. But, in this guy's favor, his name was uh, Preacher, It was his first name, I believe. And he was basically the, what amounted to the local judge in the Tug River Valley. He... Uh, he tried to make it a fair trial.
1: Is is he the one that placed it in McCoy land? Because the trial took place in McCoy territory. Yes. Presided by a Hatfield though.
0: Right. And he made sure that the jury had six Hatfields and six McCoys on it. (laughs) He did. uh, And nobody else? No joke. Yes. So weird. But he was trying to make it as fair as possible, right? Um, And so they, they had a trial where Floyd Hatfield was tried for hog theft have you ever had something stolen from you? Sure. Like, you know,
1: not hugely valuable, but yeah, it's, it's one of the things that irks me most. It's very irritating. There's something about, like, just someone taking something that you worked to buy mm-hmm. that just really
0: boils my blood. Now imagine if they took that thing that you worked to buy and they were directly taking food out of your child's mouth at the same time. Yeah. It'd make you mad. I'd pull a Hatfield. The weird thing is, is that the McCoys and the Hatfields at this point are saying, we will let the, we will leave it to the courts, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. So they did go to court. They did try to have a fair trial, um, or at least the preacher did, or uh, preacher Hatfield. Preacher judge. <laughs> right. Um, it's confusing. And the the jury was split except for one, who was a McCoy, who sided with the Hatfields. His name was Selkirk McCoy, another made-up name. (laughs) And Selkirk, um, he voted that uh, because of a guy named Bill Staten, who had testified that Floyd had not stolen the pigs, um, he said, you know what, I'm not going to contradict Bill Staten. I know him to be truthful or whatever. Plus, I work for Devil Ants and his logging operation, so I'm going to vote pro Hatfield." and exonerate Floyd. And Floyd got off, and old Randall went nuts.
1: Yeah, Staten was the, the main witness, and he was a relative of the McCoys, but he was married to a Hatfield. Right. So, um, and while they did intermarry, I saw that there was way more marrying within the family to avoid intermarrying.
0: Oh, yeah, there was a lot of first cousins. Yeah. That were, when you watch that family feud clip, you can go find it on... I'm sure on YouTube, but there was a Mental Floss article that we found that had it embedded at the bottom. Yeah, that's where I first heard about it. The that when they're inter- introducing the families, they keep introducing one another as like kissing cousins. This is a kissing cousin, Diane. Right, and like oh, the this families is, are saying that this is 1979. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, this, there was a lot of like intermarriage within the family itself. Well, they were probably just joking, right? No, no, on Family Feud. You don't think the, the guy didn't sound like he was joking? Did he kiss his cousin on TV? No, but uh, Richard Dawson kissed her. He kissed everybody. That guy kissed any woman who would stand still long enough. What a yeah. flirt. Love okay. Richard Dawson. So, yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. He didn't change his name, even though he was British. Uh, well, you don't know that. That's true. Could, Could have, have been, been Richard Dimsum. Or Chumley Dawson. <laughs> Ooh, that's a great <laughs> name. So. So, uh, uh, old Randall has just uh, lost this court case. Yes. And even worse, he was made to pay the Hatfield's court costs yeah. for taking him to court. And remember, we characterized old Randall as a kind of a bitter man. Anytime life handed him lemons, he just squeezed them into his eyes right. out of anger, right? Yeah. Um. And he went on for this for basically years about how— that this was a miscarriage of justice. How Floyd had stolen his hogs, and so now any time Hatfields and McCoys, um, went, depending on their allegiance to the clan, yeah, uh, or clans, um, anytime they saw each other, they were shooting at one another. They were getting into fights. They were throwing rocks. Like one of um, one of Devil Ant's sons. Uh, was standing there when Old Randall rode up once, and Old Randall started railing on him about how Floyd had stolen a hog, and the the McCoy's or the Hatfield son grabbed a rock and just threw it at uh, Old Randall's mouth, just crushed his mouth with the rock. Yeah. because that's what you did back then.
1: Yeah, it was sort of like uh, you killed my brother Harmon, but you stole my hog. Right. <laughs> you know. I'm cool with the brother killing. Like Harmon had it coming. Right. But that hog never hurt anybody. Yeah. We were gonna eat it. Uh, so, did we cover uh, the fact that Staten, two years later, was killed? This is
0: inaccurate. Oh, is that not true? Bill Staten Jr. was killed. Oh. Bill Sr. was not killed in this skirmish. This is another big thing. Was that, thing that retribution, happened. though? Uh-huh.
1: Okay, for his pause.
0: Yeah, because remember, testimony? after the hog incident and the hog verdict... The, the Hatfields and McCoys did not fight it out right then at the, at the um, magistrate's office. At Judge Preacher's place. Right. Yeah. Um, but any time the clans saw one another, they would shoot at each other. They were getting fights. They would take rocks to the faces. And then it culminated finally in this really truly violent incident between Bill Staten Jr. and uh, Paris and Sam McCoy. Right? Okay. So, Bill Staten Jr. is out hunting, sees these McCoy sons, and says, well, I'm in a world of trouble. Yeah. I better take a shot at one of them, and shoots Paris McCoy in the hip. And Sam McCoy was like, you shot my brother. You're going down. And he shoots Bill and wounds him, and then goes over and executes him point blank in the head. And this is Bill Jr., Bill Jr.
1: See, I got another article that said it was Bill, but it also said he's Bill Stanton. So I'm starting to doubt all kinds of accuracy.
0: There's a lot of inaccurate stuff. So I got, um, I think the description of that incident from a really great book by a guy named John Ed Pierce. It's Days of Darkness, colon. So you know, it's legitimate. (laughs) The Feuds of Eastern Kentucky. Yeah. So there's been like serious blood shed here now. One of the this, and this is direct retribution for the hog-stealing verdict. A man has been executed point-blank in the head, and the two McCoy boys just tried to get away with it.
1: Yeah, so blood is spilling. Uh, fast forward a bit to 1882, and uh, three of Randall's sons are attacked, stabbed 26 times, and shot Ellison Hatfield, who was Devil's younger brother, to death.
0: Right. And that was on election day. And election days were like drunken affairs. Do you remember when, I think in the bars episode, we talked about oh, how, yeah. like, what was it? Um, You'd get people drunk and doing something buy to the planters. Right? Yeah. Uh, bumbo. Planting the, plying the <laughs> planters yeah. with bumbo. Plying the
1: voters with bumbo.
0: Yeah. Man. But it was election day. So everybody would get super drunk. And when you get two clans that don't like each other super drunk in the same place, They get in fights, and people get stabbed 26 times and then shot in the back.
1: Yeah, so those three sons uh, of Randall were actually arrested and were presumably going to go to trial, but vigilantism uh, took hold, and they were kidnapped on the way to the trial by the Hatfields, and they said, we're going to take care of this our way. Yeah. And they,
0: like, I don't know if they let them get away with it, but they got away with it. No, they did not let them get away with it. This was a huge turning point, right? Um When the Hatfield or the McCoy boys were intercepted by the Hatfields and taken across the river to West Virginia, which is basically like taking them to Fortress Hatfield. Yeah. Country justice was going to happen. Yeah. But Devil Ants vowed that if Ellison made it and didn't die, he would not kill these Hatfield or these McCoy boys. Yeah. Um but Ellison succumbed to his wounds and did die. And so they took these McCoy boys out and tied them to trees and shot them, I think, more than 50 times or something like that. And yeah. So you were saying, like, they, they got away with it, not for lack of trying, right? It basically set off this huge, huge issue. Like, this was, even f- for the Tug River Valley, Chuck, this was pretty flagrant frontier justice. You're not supposed to do this. There's a magistrate. Named preacher, who's <laughs> supposed to settle this kind of stuff, right? So, a guy named uh, P- uh, Perry. Uh, what was Perry's name? Perry Klein. You know what? This is this is too
1: big. We need to take a break. All right, and get to the story of Perry Klein. Okay.
0: Listen to this. It's a game changer. Amazon is now in healthcare. Yes, Amazon. It's called Amazon One Medical. They offer same-day appointments, and if that's not convenient enough for you, they also have 24-7 virtual care.
1: Again, this is a game changer. Thanks to Amazon Pharmacy and Amazon One Medical, healthcare just got less painful.
0: Hey, everybody. Josh and Chuck are here to tell you about a new podcast Car and Drivers Into Cars, a production of Car and Driver in iHeartMedia's Ruby Studio. That's right. It's hosted
1: by Eddie Alterman and Tony Quiroga. Into Cars is the ultimate podcast for car lovers. Whether you're in the market for a new set of wheels or just love the sound of a V8, Car and Drivers panel of editors and car experts test drive and review today's most compelling new rides.
0: And the best part Eddie and Tony have no filter. They review cars with the same blend of intelligence, independence, and irreverence that has made Car and Driver a trusted source for news and reviews since 1955.
1: Car and Drivers Into Cars is brought to you by eBay Motors. All the parts you need at the prices you want guaranteed to fit your ride every time visit ebaymotors.com for more eligible items only exclusions apply
0: so jump in buckle up and listen to car and drivers into cars available wherever you get podcasts so easy. So easy. showcased site.
1: So just go to squarespace.com slash stuff and you're going to get a free trial and when you're ready to launch use our offer code stuff to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain.
0: So we're back, Chuck, and we have a new guest. His name is Perry Klein.
1: Come on in, Perry. <laughs> You're an attorney. Uh, he was married to Martha McCoy. And here's the deal. Uh, years before, there was a situation where Perry Klein was uh, cheated out of, I think, 5,000 acres of land.
0: Was he cheated? I didn't know if he if it was actual like justice. Because he had supposedly been cutting timber from... Uh, devil Anse's Timberland.
1: Well, here's the deal every ar- thing you read will say it depends on who you sympathize with. Oh, yeah, is how you think Perry Klein and really all of them were viewed. Sure, so uh, I read articles that said that he was cheated and articles that said he wasn't cheated. Uh, and I think the family still today, like, while there is a piece, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. Um they still disagree over Perry Klein's role.
0: Okay. So but Perry Klein was married to a McCoy. Actually asa Harmon McCoy's widow, right? Yeah, Martha. And so um he had lost five thousand acres, really? Yeah. That's how much he was forced by the court to cede to Devil Ant for allegedly cutting his timberland.
1: Yeah, so he was he had a he had a retribution in mind as an attorney.
0: Right. So when the Hatfields Executed the uh, McCoy the three McCoy boys, um, Perry Klein used it as a a chance, depending on how you look at it, he either used it as a chance for retribution or his family allegiance was stirred up yeah and he being an attorney, had contacts with the governor Governor uh, Bunker I believe of Kentucky, and said governor, there's some horrible stuff going on down here that's being perpetrated by some West Virginians against some law abiding Kentuckians yeah and You guys need to do something about it. And it worked, actually. Yeah, they reinstated
1: the charges and um, basically put out awards on the head, bounties on the head, arrest bounties, that is, of the Hatfields, including... uh, Six feet of devil and 180 pounds of hell. Yeah, Devil ants
0: himself. Yeah, his sons, some of the um, family allies, like their his, dogs. His uncle Jim Vance. Yeah, I think there were uh, there was twenty twenty men who had indictments against them, and since they had indictments against them, and they were hanging out in West Virginia, they had bounties on their head. And one of the bounty hunters, the main bounty hunter who came around, it was a it was a problem that they had bounties on their head because any crackpot who wanted to, could come and take shots at those guys, and and it was happening quite a bit. Yeah, they wanted to collect some dough. Right. But there's one guy in particular who was a real thorn in their side. His name was Mad Frank Phillips. And Frank Phillips was a bounty hunter extraordinaire. He was about as legally gray as you can get, and still not be uh, just on the darker side of the spectrum. And he made it basically his personal war to get as many Hatfields across the river into Kentucky as he could. So he would carry out raids on the um, Hatfield stronghold in West Virginia um, and basically just abduct Hatfields and bring them to Kentucky so that they could be put in the Pike County Jail yeah and, and while he did this, he was also executing people left and right, like Jim Vance he shot and wounded, saw that he just wounded him, walked around from behind, and um, while Vance was begging for his life, shot him in the head yeah. and like this is frank phillips m o he would execute you just as soon as he would capture you yeah and this was uh,
1: this was becoming a big deal in the press at this point, yeah uh, newspapers started carrying the stories and became uh, by all accounts like national news. Uh, and legend, like it was everyone knew about the Hatfields and McCoys by this point,
0: right, and the press apparently very much sided with the McCoys, they painted the Hatfields to seem like backwoods murderous rednecks who just caused trouble everywhere they went and painted the McCoys as innocent law abiding victims of of this um this whole feud um and the whole legend, like you're saying like this is all it all begins about right here when when there was what amounts to almost a war between Kentucky and West Virginia because Frank Phillips kept going and getting people and bringing them back to Pike County and West Virginia got involved and the two governors were basically standing toe-to-toe almost about to go invade, sending National Guard troops in across the border. Um, But instead they left it to the courts. And actually this court case about whether it was legal or not for Frank Phillips to have abducted the Hatfields and taken them to the Kentucky jail um, reached the Supreme Court, actually. Which is pretty amazing. It is, and the Supreme Court said, you know what? Uh, It probably is illegal what happened, but Kentucky is a sovereign state, and there's really nothing West Virginia can do about it, so go ahead and try them. But before the trial, actually, and, and while the, um, these abductions were going on, these raids carried out by Frank Phillips, the Hatfields, like I said, like, it was a big deal to them that there were bounty hunters out to get them. And they came up with a plan to just end the whole thing yeah, in, in it,
1: 1888. A, a murderous killing spree is what they came up with uh, <laughs> in January of 1888. A group of Hatfields uh, said, we're going to attack Randolph McCoy and his entire family. Uh, Cap, Little Cappy, Devil Ants' son... Uh, and an ally to Jim Vance kind of led the way, and they ambushed them at their home on New Year's Day, 1888. Uh, Randolph actually escaped, which is uh, they were kind of coming after him, and he's the only one who escaped.
0: Well, they were coming after the whole family. Yeah. Like their their whole intention was to just murder this whole family and get rid of the problem.
1: Yeah, and Randolph was the key guy. He actually got away. Uh, His son Calvin, daughter Alifair were killed uh, in what they called crossfire, but they were, you know, let's get real. And, and his wife, Sarah, was, uh, suffered a crushed skull she was beaten so badly.
0: Yeah, so Alif, they set the house on fire. Alifair opened the door to uh, put the fire out, and she was shot and killed. And then um, her mom, Sarah, wanted to come and, like, comfort her dying daughter. And when she came out, they beat her head in with the butt of a pistol. I think Cap Hatfield did. And then um, Calvin provided cover for his dad and ran to attract their gunfire so his dad could get away. And it worked, but Calvin died as a result. And then two other daughters, have, uh, McCoy daughters, survived. So Randall and two daughters survived this attack on his family. And this was when it was like, if, if the press wasn't paying attention before, now they really were. And um, basically everybody was outraged at this. And, it like, this legend, Chuck, is 100-something years old, right? Yeah. And it's easy to kind of see these people as caricatures or um, you know just historic but when you think about what the Hatfields planned to do and tried to do to the McCoys in that case on New Year's Nineteen or eighteen eighty-eight. Yeah, the New Year's Massacre is what it was known as. That's like objectively despicable, no matter when you when you when it happened. Going and, after an entire family to kill them. Yeah, <laughs> to wipe out a, a legal entailment. You know. Yeah, it's um, fair to say it is, and it really kind of um, brings home like the actual humanity of all of this. You know. Yeah. So it
1: went all the way to the Supreme Court, and they decided, you know what, these Hatfields should be tried. Uh, And in 1889, they were tried, and eight of the Hatfields uh, and their supporters were sentenced to life in prison. Mm -hmm. And one, Ellison Mounts, who uh, people think is the son of Ellison Hatfield. And his first cousin. Yeah, was actually sentenced to death. And uh, the the one issue here was a lot of people now think he was a kind of a scapegoat because he was mentally challenged and— uh, maybe an early false confession happened.
0: Right, exactly. And he actually um, really, uh, his was, if he didn't do it or even if he did, he really got screwed over by the prosecution. They, they said that um, if he confessed and, and, and cooperated, that he would get a lighter sentence when really he was the only one who confessed and he was the only one who was hanged. Yeah. So, um, and his dying words, I think, were the Hatfields made me do it. And then they hung him.
1: Yeah, and uh, there were no public executions at the time, but that did not stop uh, hundreds of people, thousands even, from coming out and watching anyway. Right. So it was a public execution.
0: And what's odd, though, is uh, so 10 men had been captured by Frank Phillips and had been indicted and tried, and nine of them got life in prison. Ellison Mounts was was hung, and this was apparently enough to, um, I guess, mollify Randall McCoy. At first, I think he tried to, like, uh, rail against the verdict, but ultimately it was enough to just uh, calm him down. And he went and lived a, a quiet life, quiet haunted life as a ferry operator, I think, and lived to, like, age 88.
1: Yeah, and about a year later uh, is when the families both said, enough is enough. Let's call a truce. And uh, from, I think it was an 11-year period, almost 24 people were killed in both families. Wow. Like, close to two dozen folks over an 11-year
0: period. That's legit. Yeah, that's a that's a family feud right there. That's a big feud. And Devil Anse lived to a ripe old age, too. He lived to, uh, I think, 83 or something like that. 73. That's not that old. Well, he was born again at 73. I think he lived into his 80s. Oh, really? And But he, he was paranoid for the rest of his life because I think there was still bounties on his head, so he moved to an island and carried a rifle with him at all times for the rest of his life.
1: Well, they, if you look at pictures of... The families they all had their guns, I mean that's what you did back then, yeah, but it's it's funny to see a picture of like twenty people and you know twelve of them are brandishing weapons that's right, <laughs> you know
0: in the in the one photo that will ever be taken of them, they've got their gun out too uh
1: so since then uh they've been all over the place in pop culture. We mentioned family feud uh there was an Abbott and Costello movie in nineteen fifty two
0: Buster Keaton did a movie too.
1: Oh, really? Uh-huh. Happy McCoy? Yeah. Uh, he was on Lo- oh, not Looney Tunes. Excuse me. Merry Melodies. Big distinction, but still Bugs Bunny. Mm-hmm. Um, nowadays, there are even some medical professionals who think that there was a condition that the McCoys had that led them to be violent. What? It's called uh, Von Hippel-Lindau disease. And these geneticists uh, studied dozens of McCoy descendants and said they have a really high rate of this disease. It's inherited, it's rare, produces tumors in the eyes, ears, and pancreas, uh, and a notable side effect is high blood pressure, racing heartbeat, and increased um, aggressive behavior, increased fight-or-flight hormones.
0: And it was the McCoys that may have had that? Because from everything I've read, it seemed like the Hatfields would have been the one to have that. Yeah. Wow. That's maybe I'm goes. a victim of uh, contemporary press bias, <laughs> media bias. You got anything else? I got nothing else. There's other stuff. There's plenty of stuff that I'm sure we didn't hit, and you should go read some of the cool books written about this stuff. I got one more
1: thing, actually. Oh, here it comes. Uh, World War II uh, Life magazine used the families as a way to unite America's war effort by featuring them in a big photo spread. The Hatfields and McCoys like working together in factories for World War II. That's awesome. Yeah, and they, I think they even met recently in uh, like— they're they're still out there and they're still meeting and talking about this and uh, disagreeing friendly disagreements on people like Perry Klein and uh,
0: mm-hmm.
1: who was the other guy Mad Mad Munt what was it
0: Mad Frank Phillips Mad Frank Phillips Who remember I said he was legally gray Yeah he, he married uh, a McCoy who ended up who had had a baby with John C Hatfield um, They ran off together and uh, got married Yeah. Frank Phillips and Nancy McCoy and ended up being prosperous bootleggers in the region
1: wow
0: well and there was also a
1: spurned romance too that led to tensions I forgot about that
0: yeah Rosanna Rosanna McCoy and John C. Hatfield
1: yeah they had a little uh tryst
0: and a child together but the child died I think aged eight months from measles but he kicked her to the curb before that and then went and married her cousin Nancy
1: although there were no curbs back
0: then he kicked her to the riverbank (laughs) right to the creek side (laughs) yeah Uh, Again, we could probably keep doing this for another 45 minutes, but we're not. If you want to know more about Hatfields and McCoys, just go search it in your favorite search engine. And since I said search engine, it's time for listener mail.
1: Uh, I'm going to call this just a nice little email of thanks from a nice person. Okay. Uh, Hi, Josh and Chuck and Jerry. I'm a young 30-something who lives in Berwyn, Illinois. I just recently started listening to podcasts came across How Stuff Works and you guys I'm a nerd at heart and your podcast feeds my inner beast I listen to you on my way to work on a train at uh, sounds like Dr. Seuss um, <laughs> at work again and then on my way home from work I'm so addicted to learning new things scrolling through the feed is exhilarating as I'm dying to listen to them all uh, Jennifer there's I'm not sure if you know this if you follow us on iTunes you might think there are only 300 but there are more than 850-ish right? Yeah That's for all of you out there. And you can find those at our website. Back to Jennifer. I've told all my friends about the podcast. (laughs) I even make my husband listen while we're cooking. I can't get enough of all the cool topics you talk about. And since I listen to you every day, I thought, you know what? I'm going to send an email in hopes that it is read on the air. And if not, at least you know you have another dedicated listener. Thanks for spreading knowledge. And that is Jennifer Hardy. And Jennifer, sometimes when I get dared to read things on the
0: air, I do it works every time uh, not
1: every time flattery
0: will get you <laughs> everywhere uh, if you want to let us know how great you think we are we love hearing that stuff obviously you can tweet to us at sysk podcast you can post it on facebook.com slash stuff you should know you can send us an email to stuff podcast at howstuffworks.com and as always join us at our home on the web stuffyoushouldknow.com. should know.com Fill the grill and fire up the party. Get the Weber Sear Wood Pellet Grill. Smoke, roast, and sear on the same grill. Go from low and slow on smoke boost mode at 180 degrees all the way to high heat sear at 600 degrees. It's got a full grate sear zone, so you can put more food on the flame, and food will look as good as it tastes. This grill is hot in 15 minutes, and cleanup is easy. You'll cook on two levels at the same time, so you can make enough for everyone. And you can add a heavy-duty rotisserie or rust-resistant griddle insert. So get fired up for your new Weber searwood pellet grow.